Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Thanks for joining us again. I know. I'm happy to be here today. So we're going to, we, we took a break last week on our relationship attachment series, and we're going to come back to that this on, on this podcast, right? We're going to continue on. We've dealt already with like the individual traits of, you know, relationship attachments that individually we can have. And that, and we tackled like our relationship, right? The avoidant and then the anxious and what that looks like. And then today we're going to have a really interesting one because this is something that we had to put a lot of thought into because it was, you know, I'm of course the avoidant one and you're the anxious one, right? So Mm -hmm. we, we, and we talked about that on a previous podcast, but now we're going to look at what would happen if we had two avoidant? So did you did also mention to me that there are two different types of avoidant uh, characteristics is the fearful and the dismissive. I'm, of course, the dismissive. Yeah, you're the dismissive one. So I'm avoided dismissive. We talked about that. But there's an avoidant fearful. And so let, let's talk about it. What would a relationship between two avoidants both dismissive or one fearful, one dismissive, what would that look like? Okay, well, first of all, people are probably questioning right now, like, what is the difference between avoidant fearful and avoidant dismissive? And really, it just comes down to that the avoidant fearful actually has underlying anxious tendencies where they do want the connection. They do want the intimacy, but they're fearful of it because something may have happened to them growing up or what have you. Whereas the avoidant dismissive, not to say that they don't want any type of intimacy, but they're more dismissive of it. They're not anxious about obtaining it. They're more just like, you know what? Forget it. I, As much as I may want that, I don't want the pain that will come with it. So that's really just the difference between the two. So make sure you listen to the other podcast if you haven't so that you can understand that. So you, the, the question is, is that how do these two kind of function in a relationship? And typically... If you have an avoidant attachment, you're going to end up with someone with an anxious attachment or a secure attachment because you want someone that is the complete opposite of you. You you, you don't want That's to, how we ended up together, uh, right? Precisely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We 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 did good with that one. So this is actually a very rare pair. But it does happen. And I will tell you this that sometimes this can be referred to as the relationship from hell initially. Okay, until we can kind of get to a better spot. So most people just question, like, how do these two people even end up with each other if they're both avoiding? So it's typically with one thing. It's a hookup. Both of them are looking for a good time, want to get my needs met and want to bounce out before anything else happens. So typically these relationships are formed with some type of a hookup. Yeah, that's interesting because it, it makes perfect sense, right? Because two avoidant people don't want to. It's not that they don't want to be in a relationship, right? Because we talked about that. Everyone does. No one wants to be alone, right? So everyone's looking for a relationship. But the avoidant, the, the main characteristic about being an avoidant is you want to control the situation. And once anything gets too close to your comfort zone, you push away, right? Either dismissively or fearfully. That all has to do with your personality, but you push you push that relationship away because you 
feel out of control. You don't feel like you're in control of the situation. So you self-sabotage. That's what we talked about. But it does happen. And we actually, we, we seen, we've seen like, well, as we were talking, we've seen relationships that ha- that are two avoidant people. Yep. Uh, but like you said, a, a lot of the times what you won't find is two avoidant dismissives or two avoidant fearful. No. So it's usually an avoidant fearful and avoidant dismissive. And that's kind of what, what we're going to discuss. Exactly. And these relationships start from like maybe you're working at some place and, you know, you see someone you're kind of attracted to. And you guys just kind of like hook up, you know, during like the honeymoon phase, everything's fine because there's no security there. There's no attachment. There's no attunement. It's just straight fun. Yeah. And let's not just generalize because I'm sure there's probably some relationship that started mm-hmm. out outside of a hookup or, or, you know, a fling or whatever. Well, what I was making the distinction is, is it in the workplace. This is where I've, when I can think some of the relationships I know of, this is where it starts because you're going to see this person every day. So you're going to be running into this person every day. And so it kind of starts off like that. Like, you know what I mean? Because you're not going to go on a dating website and you know what I mean? You're going to know right off the bat what you're looking for and your characteristics. And you can kind of read into that, I think. Let's start by talking about like what are the clear signs that you're in like an avoidant avoidant relationship, right? So people understand. So and, and just for our listeners, all hope is not lost, right? You can be in avoidant avoidant relationship yes. and still make it work and it still might be a healthy relationship. You both have to be super aware of your relationship styles and be working yeah, towards. Yeah, and we'll get we'll definitely talk about what needs to happen. So But that- let's talk about like what are the clear signs that you're in in avoidant avoidant and then uh let's talk about like the differences between are you the fearful or are you the dismissive? In? Okay. So the biggest thing is that you feel like you're living separate lives. This is what I've heard all the time when I was in the field and kind of what it looks like. I I feel like we're living separate lives. Like we don't even eat dinner together. Doesn't even ask me how my day went. I just, we we barely see each other. I I don't even know. I don't know what they did today. Like I, I have no idea. And typically that's what you'll hear a lot is that they feel like they're living or you feel like you're living a completely separate life within the same home. And then the other thing is that intimacy. Like we'll talk about intimacy. And when I talk about intimacy, I'm not just talking about sex but we can be talking about like hugs and you know kisses and things like that are like really nice in-depth conversations it just it's just not there and when there is some form of intimacy it's cold it's quick it's calculated it's kind of like there I hugged you you good same thing when it comes down to sex there is no level of passion it's just carnal I'm getting my needs met this is what it is and oftentimes depending on uh, the, the personalities in the relationship. But oftentimes one of the partners, usually the av- avoidant fearful, feels unfulfilled after some form of intimacy. Like they want more, they want to take it to the next level and give themselves to their partners, but they don't. They become fearful and they clam up. With a dismissive is dismissive of anything further than that. Like, hey, we got off. That's great. This is how it is. Now, I can't speak for a dismissive, really, because I'm not one. But this is just what I've heard. So that's another area. It's funny because you're going through these things and I'm thinking to myself as the avoidant dismissive, right? Yeah. That doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> and I'm just being honest, right? So if two people and, and again, this is where I guess it could be a really good relationship, right? So if two people are OK with, mm-hmm. you know, living separate lives having the separate lives and still sharing something, having, you know, there should be some affection. I, and, I, and I will say this, 
I am avoiding dismissive, but I'm very affectionate, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have a problem with that inti- intimacy part or the affection part. I like showing affection. I like receiving affection. So that's not a that's not an issue. Um, but like again, it's you know for, for some people that might work very well. Yeah. Because it's like you don't like we're very intertwined with each other, but not every relationship is like that. And some relationships are okay with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We see each other once a week and we're fine with that. And we are, you know. Could you imagine that? Like, like if that was our relationship, that would be so weird because it would be completely opposite of what we have now. Like, can you imagine like sometimes they even have separate bedrooms. But sometimes that works. I know. People, maybe we right? should try some, that. Some, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you could do, you could do that. I, I think I'd be OK with that. But I don't think you, you I could you challenge manage. myself to because what if it helped me heal, though? What if it helped me heal my attachment? Style? All right, let's get back on track here uh, in terms of like hey, people uh, like what goes through my head. They like when I share it. No. Well, what I was saying is that as you're sp- as you're saying these things, right, as someone with the avoidant relationship personality, right? I don't see that as as like such a negative. It's only a negative if your partner's needs are not getting met, you know, and that's that I guess that's what my the point I'm trying to make here, right? So if if you were avoidant, right, and I was okay with the way you were participating in the relationship, if I was okay with that, then it would be okay, right? It's all about that communication, right? The level of communication, understanding and filling each other's needs. So my needs are different than your needs. And I have to make sure that, you know, I'm meeting your needs and you are making sure that I'm meeting my needs. Right. But if we're both on the same page and we're both okay with, you know, you talk to me, you know, once a week or whatever, or we hook up, you know, and, and, you know, take care of business and we're both satisfied and happy, happy, then then it's a a freaking good thing. It could be a very good thing. But I think what happens here is that society places these notions on this is what a healthy relationship looks like. And if your relationship doesn't look like this, you're failing, you're going to hell and you're going to get a divorce. (laughs) And And it sucks because that's the same stuff that happens with mental health. And, you know, I think we need to define our own relationships, you know, and one of the other things is, is that they can go if if you're in a dismissive avoidant dismissive uh relationship you can go a long time without a level of engagement that most people would actually think to be unhealthy and when i talk about this i mean no eye contact like you walk past the other person in the house like you were in there by yourself but like you said if that works for them and they're okay with that then that's fine then it's healthy if it's working if it's working for you it's healthy and balanced if it isn't then that's when it needs to be addressed yeah, because there is a fine line, right? Because if you're completely ignoring the other person, then you might as well have your own apartment, and we just, you know, text each other every once in a while, be like, "Yo, what are you doing right now?" Like, that's okay, and maybe that's fine, but you know. But I guess the the point here is that's what it would look like, right? So two avoidant, you know, whether they're both fearful or dismissive, or you know, one of each, that's kind of what it looks like, right? So it's about again, like we've talked about communication, right? expressing your needs to that partner and saying hey understanding that maybe you're in this type of relationship right and there are certain needs that you have that you need that partner to address Mm -hmm. and they need to be aware of okay this is my personality and it's okay to have this personality i'm working towards a more secure um personality right because the the whole but point i think of that's key though what you just exactly. said and this is what we'll, we should talk about that because the, the avoidant the avoidant the, it, the whole point of the mm-hmm. avoidant is we're pushing 
the stuff away, right? Yeah, you're and, putting a wall up and then pushing the wall away. <laughs> exactly. So the the point is to stop doing that. Once you stop doing that, it's okay to, you know, set your expectations of communication and intimacy and whatever it is that you or your partner needs. It's perfectly fine, but that wall and that push away is what we need to address. Exactly. And so one other thing that I kind of want to talk about here is, so one thing I I, want to address is there's this philosophy that is within these type of relationship dynamics where it's like me against the world. You know, that's how they want to keep it. It's their world. They function in it. And they're happy with that. Now, a lot of people have actually said, and I've looked into this, that me against the world is actually a victim mentality because you feel like, Okay, it's just me out here having to handle all of this, but let, you're causing that for yourself. So if that's another sign that you might be in this type of relationship when you feel like you're the only one in your world, but you're the one that's keeping it there. And so I think it's really important that you kind of assess that and you look into that because that's kind of what plays into it. Now, I'm just going to ask, now that you see the dynamics of that, would you like to be in a relationship like that or no? Personally, I don't think so. I think, you know, like our relationship, of course, is the complete opposite, right? And we talk about it, right? Uh, You're the yin to my yang. And I think that works. There's a full balance there, right? So if you had, if I was with someone else that was also avoidant, right? It'd be much different, right? But it, it would had to do with awareness and that communication. I think like we balance out each other so nicely where you're pushing me where I need to be better. And I'm pushing you where you need to be better. And I think we I would lack that with someone that was the same relationship style as me. Yeah. So I was sitting here. I used to always feel bad. Like I always felt bad about having this anxious, oh my God, I have this anxious attachment style. But I really feel like I'm working towards like the secure part of it. But after having this conversation, I can appreciate my style a little bit more. I can think about my style a little bit more as... There's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing wrong with either style. So I think when you hear another style and you hear the the trials and the struggles of one, you can kind of appreciate the strengths of your own. So I really enjoyed like kind of breaking this down. I definitely would agree with that. And I let's take this moment to pause for our quick message. And when we get back, we'll talk about how we can make these dynamic work, right? If you're in an avoidant, avoidant relationship, how to you know approach it and be successful with it so we'll be right back stay with us we always hear how much the podcast has positively impacted all of you so now here's an opportunity to help us continue making content and we've made it simple by partnering with patreon you can find the link in the episode description for your subscription we've added additional bonus incentives which include a newsletter access to the In It Together Patreon group, and special access to upcoming private episodes with Jay. For our top subscribers, you'll even get monthly access to Jay and I via Zoom. We're grateful for your support, and don't forget to keep sharing the podcast with everyone you know. Together, we can help grow the In It Together family. Now back to the podcast. So we've been talking about how to identify like when a relationship has two avoidant people in it, right? So let's now talk about how do we make this work? How do we have two avoidant relationship style people, fearful and a dismissive, how do we get this relationship to work? Okay. So like you said, this doesn't have to be like a bad thing. This isn't like a death sentence. If you're happy with it, great. But if you want some progress and you want your relationship to be a little bit more, you know, functioning, if you will, then the first thing that you have to do is you have to have that conversation 
right? You have to sit down and say, look, I think our attachment styles are avoidant, 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 dismissive, fearful. And this is why we're kind of struggling a little bit in this relationship. And, may, you know, and asking your significant, are you happy with this? Like, do you feel fulfilled with this? And then answer that question for yourself. And if the answer is like, well, I think I would like a little bit more of this, then you can just look at what you feel isn't working and just make those minor adjustments. But both people have to be on board with working on their specific attachment style, understanding that if you're the dismissive, you got to learn to pull those walls down and be a little bit more vulnerable. And if you're the fearful, pull your walls down and don't be afraid of what's going to come through on the other side. And that's kind of, you're both having to work through vulnerability. One is having to, you know, work on not pushing away and the other has to kind of work on not being afraid of what's being pushed towards them. And that's kind of the dynamic that they're working with. That's where you have to start. So where do you start there? I know communication is a big, big key. So are there any tips that you can give to people to start that process? So because communication well, this type of communication involves a level of intimacy. You know, sitting down and making eye contact is like huge, right? This is this is going to be uncomfortable, you know, especially for two people that like, I just want to avoid that. So tip one, I would say, is definitely writing down the areas within the relationship that you would like to see some improvement with. And I say writing it down because it can be really challenging to sit down and have an intimate conversation with someone while looking them in the face. That's just a lot of vulnerability all at one time. So if you can break it up into smaller steps, such as writing it down and then sharing, you can even text message each other it, but just putting it down on paper is going to be you know, the first step that you want to do, because then it becomes even more real to you of, wow, I wrote these things down. These are the things that I want to happen now, what I'm going to do with it. So I think for most people, although it sounds challenging, it's going to be extremely helpful to start there. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that because we saw that early in our relationship as well, right? I would write you things all the time, especially when it was frustrating and we really couldn't get our points across, right? Just sitting down and writing and, and allowing that other person to kind of read what we wrote, right? Opened up that door to the dialogue that later came from that, right? So it is important to sit down, especially because it's such, like you said, it's such a vulnerable state, having an intimate conversation about what your needs are, just expressing them or writing them down on paper. And just for your for yourself, right? I, I found a lot of the times that Again, if I'm writing something down, then I'm then I'm kind of thinking through the thoughts a little bit more. And sometimes when there's a lot of emotions involved, right, it, it gets emotional. But when you're writing something down and you get to reread it and understand, you understand yourself a little better. Right. And that also allows the other person to kind of get where you're coming from a little more. And again, open up those channels of communication and start having those discussions. You know, and on top of that, it also offers a level of vulnerability because someone now holds in their hand your thoughts, you know, so it actually helps you be a little bit more vulnerable because you're sharing parts of yourself that you typically dismiss and don't want other people to know with another person. And it's just done on a more controlled level because you get to think about what's coming out of your mouth and what you're going to put on that paper versus anything else you have time to really say what am I willing to allow this person to know at this moment so it's practicing vulnerability I think is you know definitely the point where you want to start and believe it or not the fearful avoidant 
can actually catch up a lot quicker in terms of opening up before the dismissive because underneath that fearful avoidant is just anxiety. There's that anxious, there's a little bit of anxious attachment where they want it, they really do, and they want everything, but they put that wall up, they act like they don't because they're scared of letting that person in, but it's still there. That anxious level is what kind of pushes them to that direction. So if you start there with what I said of writing things down, then one of you is going to actually start pulling up a little bit quicker, which is going to open it up for the dismissive. And it sounds almost like the fearful has to take the lead role in that situation, right? Because the fearful, that anxiety, because you're the one that wants, I don't want to say wants it more, but the dismissive is like, okay with not having it at all, right? So Mm -hmm. the dismissive is like, you know, I can't miss something that I don't have, right? And again, I'm just pulling from my own personality, right? So if I don't have it at all, if I don't want it at all, then I'm, I'm okay walking away from it, right? So, but deep down inside, again, we don't, we want to be in healthy relationships. We don't want to be alone, right? We want someone to share our life with. But again, as the dismissive, it's easy for me to say, well, you know what? If I don't have it at all, then I'm, I'm not going to miss it. Where the fearful is, is actually that anxiety is from fearing, missing, missing what they want. FOMO. You know, I, I want this. I do. But, you know, I'm just I'm probably not going to I'm just going to avoid it because you know what? This is just it's not worth it. It's not worth my time. I'm just I'm I'm not going to do it. You know, so I think it's that the, unfortunately for the fearful avoidant, I mean, the ball's really in your court, which I guess if you're the fearful avoidant, that can be bad or good because you get to kind of dictate where the relationship is going to go and, and how that's going to kind of manifest because you're going to be a little bit more open to the process initially. And that is going to be really good for the dismissive because they're much more skeptical of the entire process. Being able to step back and see you kind of work through it kind of builds up a little momentum for them and gives them a frame of reference to work with. So this is where that dynamic, although it sounds like a nightmare in the beginning, can actually work to be a healthy relationship with what some of the you know tips that we've mentioned. Yeah, I think we could definitely, I could see uh, an avoidant fearful and an avoidant dismissive coming to a resolution and, and, and making it work and actually making it a very productive, healthy relationship. But I'm going to play a devil's advocate here, right? Like avoidant, having two avoidant dismissives, I'm not sure how that would work if we're, if, if we're both saying, well, you know what, I don't really need this and I'm afraid not afraid, but you know, I can't miss what I don't, what I don't want or don't have. Right. If we're both putting up walls and both pushing away, then how, how do you break through that? Well, the reality is, is that I've actually thought about this for a while now, since we've been doing this series and I did a little bit more digging into some stuff. And what I can say is that the dismissive dismissive, those are the relationships where Someone can be in a marriage for a really long time and have somebody out on the side and that person don't care. I don't care if I, I don't want him to be my husband. I don't want her to be my, I want nothing. I don't care about that. I've looked into that and that can be a dismissive dismissive because so-and-so don't want to leave the relationship that they're in and -and so-and-so don't want that person to leave the relationship they're in. They're just meeting up for needs or whatever it is that they're doing. That is more on the dismissive end of it. Very rare, but that is where you could potentially see that dynamic because otherwise it's really hard to kind of pinpoint that in your average everyday relationship. And I would have to say that even though that might be a functioning relationship, I don't think that's a healthy relationship. And I think we need to make, I guess, the clear delineation that a working a functional relationship 
isn't always a healthy relationship. And what we're talking about here is healthy relationships and what having a healthy relationship can look like and be for two people. Exactly. So when you say the dismissive dismissive, you know, I would love I would love for someone to call in and say, I think I'm in a dismissive, dismissive relationship. And I would love to have that couple on because I think that that would be the only way to pick the brains and understand that dynamic. And I would be up for the challenge. Well, I, I'd be interested in seeing if it's a healthy relationship, right? Because can two dismissive dismissives, you know, function together, right? And make it work in a healthy way. You know, can can it work? I think it can work because we've seen it. There's tons of unhappy marriages and tons of people in relationships that are committed to the relationship but not committed to each other if yeah if they're that... committed to i'm not going to get a divorce because divorce is just not in my book so i'm just going to make this work to the best of my ability yeah it's, it's cheaper to keep her sometimes i guess <laughs> that was low i i did not no, like I'm, that I'm, i gotta come up with a rebuttal that's just a generalization it can go both ways you know it could, it could be a very wealthy woman that Ha, you know, that's happy with a relationship with the with a man and whatever. You know what I'm saying? He she doesn't want to divorce him. So it's even though it's the the saying is that it could go both ways. Yeah, good. Thank thank you for clarifying that. Thank you for clarifying that. So yeah, so I think you know again if you if you're in the avoidant fearful the avoidant dismissive relationship, the one thing that this is really going to come down to is that willingness to just be vulnerable, that willingness to communicate, to write things down, to share just a little bit. And if you can start there, you can start actually opening up the floodgates at a slow, controlled level where no one's triggered, where you can get to a point where you can assess, does this feel good? How does this feel in the relationship? I think we need a little bit more here. Okay, you can be a little bit more vulnerable, do a little bit more writing, a little bit more sharing. And then you can find that happy medium point where we can say, right here. Right here is good for right now. And I think that that's how you make it healthy. Healthy is a very broad term, you know, because healthy encompasses many different aspects. So I think you you first should also sit down and ask yourselves, what is a healthy relationship? What are the things that I think would make this better? And then make sure that the partner that you're with agrees with that. Because if they agree with that, then you can say, well, we're missing three out of three right now. Where can we start? Yeah, that's a very good point because it is. It's everyone is individuals and we pigeonhole ourselves into this thing. Like even even when we're talking, going through these podcasts and we're making these are all generalizations because no one fits perfectly into one box, right? No one is exactly the avoidant dismissive or the exact avoidant fearful or or whatever, right? They no one falls in the in the perfect box everyone's trauma is a little different and everyone's life experience is a little different. So these are just a way to understand where you may fall and how to work through it. And at the end of the day, it's like you said, right? Healthy is very subjective. It depends on what your values are, what you feel that you need out of a relationship and what makes you happy. And as long as those things are being met, then it is Health, it, it can be a healthy relationship. Exactly, because you may not want to cuddle every day. You may not want to kiss every day. You may not want to hold hands every day. You may not want to look into each other's eyes longingly every day. That just might be too much. You know, even in our anxious, dismissive relationship over here, sometimes it's just too much, you know, and it's okay. It doesn't mean you don't love the person. It's just like, look, I told you I loved you yesterday. Why do I have to do that today? And I remember you actually saying something to me like, look, I tell you I love you every single day. 
And that's a big thing for you. Like, I don't think about that, but it was like, that's a big thing for you. Every day there's an I love you or I hug. And maybe we don't spend time as much as we used to. And maybe we need to work on that. But we're still healthy and we're still okay and we're still balanced. And that's what matters is like it works for us right now. You nailed it, right? It's the balance, right? It has to be balanced because you can't be too much one way or too much the other way. Exactly. Just balance. Exactly. You got to find the balance. That's that's the key. Like, look, I showed you I loved you yesterday. Can I have today off? Like, that's fine. You know, it's just finding, it's finding. And then there's, you know, there's some relationships where, like, people want intimacy, like, four or five times a week. Like. Yeah, so that's the next podcast, right? The Anxious Anxious, right? Where a lot of that comes into play, right? A lot of the the neediness comes into play. I'm over here, like, (laughs) I think I'm getting hives or something. Because I was thinking of, like, imagine being with someone like myself. Like, I would never feel fulfilled. They would never feel fulfilled. Would have to be intimate, like, all day. I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. Like, I I don't, my head's going to explode just thinking about that. But I can't wait for that episode because I think that's going to be great. I know. So you guys definitely stay tuned uh, for that one. I hope you guys got some good tips on with this one. And, um... tune into the next one so guys if you aren't following me already you can find me on tiktok at ask.courtney on instagram at askcourtney underscore and on youtube at askcourtney and if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast you can reach us at podcast with an s at epiphanymedia.com we'd love to hear your stories guys so make sure to reach out and as always we're all in this together so stay safe remember there's no shame in asking for help till next time